0: Dedicated to the survival of American democracy in an increasingly dangerous world, this is Secure Freedom Radio with Frank Gaffney. Acted as Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Policy under President Ronald Reagan. Founder of the Center for Security Policy in Washington, D.C. The go-to man for defense and foreign policy issues. Joined by the greatest minds in the security policy business. The special forces in the war of ideas at Secure Freedom Radio. Radio with Frank Gaffney. Welcome to Secure Freedom Radio. This is Frank Gaffney, your host and guide for what I think of as an intelligence briefing on the war for the free world. A man who has spent his life naval intelligence is our first guest, I'm very pleased to say. His name is Captain James Fennell. He completed his distinguished service in uniform to the United States Navy as the Director of Intelligence and Information Operations for the US Pacific Fleet. Few people understand the threat from the Chinese Communist Party's People's Liberation Army, and more generally, the party and its apparatuses. Then does Jim Fennell, and we're delighted to have him back as always. Jim, welcome to Secure Freedom Radio once again. Good to have you with us.
1: Thanks, Frank. Uh, Glad to be with you. Um,
0: You are continuing to contribute very actively to the public policy debate about China. And I wanted to turn to you for a quick assessment of what you make of the announcement yesterday that the United States, the United Kingdom, and Australia are, are forging a partnership to manufacture in Australia nuclear-powered attack submarines for the Australian Navy based on U.S. technologies and designs. Um, knowing, as both of us do, of the threat that the Chinese Navy and military and Communist Party represent to Australia. I think we're inclined to favor this, but I wanted to take stock with you uh, about both uh, your take on the understanding that's been arrived at and uh, its implications.
1: Well, Frank, I think uh, this uh, announcement uh, by the three leaders of uh, United States, Australia, and UK is a significant step because it really draws together uh, the three nations to, to take a stand, I think, at least in the symbolic way right now of saying that they're going to try to confront the PRC. So in that sense, I'm very happy about that. Uh, but like with the pivot to the Pacific that the Obama administration had in 2011, this will all depend upon what actually really gets done. The gist of this for the Australians is that they signed an agreement in 2016 to buy French submarines, a a nuclear design that they were going to retrofit into a a diesel uh, conventional powered submarine. And it squandered here for five years and millions of dollars spent and nothing was produced. And so there was growing frustration, I think, in Australia that they were just not getting the submarines that they needed to replace their aging Collins class. So this for them is a big step forward because it brings them into the nuclear uh, submarine community that only the US and the UK have shared the same technology. So Australia will now be a partner in that. It'll probably take them 10 years to be able to produce these boats and have them operating in Australia. And so my concern is, and in that decade of concern that we talk about frequently on the show here, uh, that we need something in the interim. And so hopefully what this agreement will do beyond just The plans that are going to come up over the next year and a half, how to build these nuclear submarines for Australia and how to share artificial intelligence and quantum technologies. But maybe it will open up the United States Navy to be able to operate out of Australian ports. And this is important because with the Chinese DF-21 and DF-26 ballistic missiles that can target our naval forces in port in Japan, this now provides us maybe another opportunity to operate outside of those threat envelopes, but still be able to get into the fight quickly. For instance, from Perth to Singapore is a three-day three transit, which will allow uh, U.S. Navy ships or submarines to be able to get in range of Chinese Navy uh, vessels operating in the South China Sea and be able to launch missiles at them. So this is, I think... The benefit right now is it will open up the ability for United States nuclear submarines to be able to go into Australia. They haven't talked about that in the formal agreement, but I'm, a, I'm hearing rumors down under that that's what they would like to do. Uh,
0: you've sort of alluded to two, t- two pieces of this that um, I do find a bit concerning. Um, one is that, as you know better than anybody, Jim, the nuclear-powered systems of the United States Navy are among the crown jewels of our military and the most closely guarded secrets in the pentagon and rightly so Um, what are the chances that in the course of this kind of collaboration uh, we will see a compromise of that technology uh, especially given the very active presence of the chinese at least to this point in australia and they're, uh, they're very aggressive intelligence collection operations there and, and indeed elsewhere in the region. And secondly, um, the problem that you sort of alluded to there, Jim, that this is a long-term project. Uh, 10 years may be conservative, truthfully, but um, how important is it that we be taking steps in the near term to work, defend Australia and build up this uh, this tripartite relationship
1: yeah i think that the security aspect is there's no question about that and so any of this agreement and there's a, a commitment to come up with a plan a, a substantive plan in the next 18 months that must from the u.s side must have uh strict controls uh, uh in security procedures it will require embedded american naval officers and security personnel i think to be able to ensure that this technology is guarded. And if there's, a you know, even a hint of a violation, that, you know, the whole thing would, you know, maybe expire. Uh, so we can't allow that to be put at risk. Uh, but on the other hand, the idea that we're now able to interject our, our nuclear submarines to an area that gives us a different, we're going to be able to spread the, the field, if you will, and make China have to worry about where we're coming from, not just from, Guam or Sasebo or Yokosuka. So I think this is uh, our West Coast. So I think this is an opportunity for us to expand that. Uh, but it, it, it in another way, it also allows us to work on things like water space management with the Australian Navy and the Royal Navy. And and we really should be including the Japanese Navy and the Taiwan Navy that have shared submarine force uh, interests uh, so that we can decompose that water space and make sure we're maximizing the use of our submarines counter the Chinese threat.
0: Yeah, those seem to be really important points. Are there other things, Jim, that um, strike you as you look at um, what the Australians bring to the fight that um, that are obvious places where we could make uh, further collaborations, perhaps building off of this important enhancement to our relationship
1: well in the statements from the governments that was referenced was was sharing also in the development of artificial intelligence and quantum technology and i i would you know that all gets into the cyber arena so i think from that perspective australia and the uk both leading in many ways, in you know signals intelligence and cyber activities, the three of us working together in a unique way that will allow us to uh, also put at risk uh, the Chinese the strategic support force, which is their their cyber force, if you will. And so, this is another area that I think that we can this agreement a benefit to us. We already have the Five Eyes intelligence sharing agreement, but with New Zealand's position right now and their response already to this, uh, the Prime Minister of New Zealand already came out and said we will now not allow Australian. Nuclear submarines into New Zealand ports. I mean, this is another way for us to continue to move forward in uh, the cyber arena without having to worry about being compromised by, uh, you know, where they're going with China. It's unfortunate the Australians aren't happy about that, but for now, this gives us that ability to do that.
0: What we're looking at, I think, unfortunately, is they are no longer part, a reliable part of the Five Eyes partnership, and I, I think it would also behoove us to underscore that the United Kingdom had best steer clear of Huawei if they want to be part of this um, relationship with Australia as well as of course that 5i um, intelligence sharing operation. Um, what's your current reading on the Brits and uh, the Chinese efforts through this telecommunications conglomerate to penetrate them and
1: I think that the Brits are you know still a large percentage of their conservatives are against uh, getting involved with Huawei. Uh, but the the business community, the business interests, just like in the United States with our big tech interests, are are more than willing to compromise. And so it's going to take leadership from Washington to hold that line. It's really critically important. And I would agree with you that uh, there should be some stipulation in this agreement that if uh, you know any one of these nations were to somehow allow Huawei to be uh, you know come into the their countries and get in in. You know injected into their it backbone that there's no way that this agreement could go forward we have to keep that air gapped and cauterized and separated general mark
0: milley's conduct um i'm thinking obviously most immediately of his willingness to warn the chinese in the event the united states felt obliged to attack china um, which is now it seems to me been confirmed uh is something that he did um, certainly we know he was communicating with his Chinese counterpart to try to allay concerns about um, uh, untoward consequences from, you know, relations going south. But Jim, also, um, just his more general attitude towards China's rise. Give us your thoughts on the man and uh, his fitness to continue to be the top military officer of the United States.
1: Well, Frank, I have not met him. I have not worked on him. Uh, I just know what he has said publicly, and, uh, you know, we we impeached the president for a phone call with a, a leader of a foreign country, and within, you know, days, weeks, we were provided transcripts that were leaked from that phone call, and then the White House went out and released the entire transcript, and I think if we do that for a president of the United States, then we need to have the transcript of his calls, General Milley's calls, with his PRC counterpart. That needs to be released. And uh, we need to then uh, have an investigation into what he did, what he said, and who authorized it. And if it was him acting on his own recognizance, then I believe he should be court-martialed. There's just no room in our system to allow the military to run amok and not be under civilian control. And if that's what happened, we don't know that. But if we find that out, Then that that cannot be allowed to happen. And what I'm very disappointed in is what I see in the media in the last 24 hours is that it's become become a partisan issue. And people are defending the idea that a, a senior military officer could take its own, make his own decision on what he thought was right and how he could take control of nuclear codes and things of this nature. Something that we all disapprove of, no matter who is in the White House. And
0: Jim, you have, again, as an intelligence officer, uh, an appreciation of what the implications would be were we to provide forewarning of an attack. If one were, you know, directed in our government for whatever reason, how would the Chinese respond
1: well, I think the Chinese probably if they if this call in fact did happen and that was those statements were made or implied in such a way that I think they're probably their first thought is what's going on? No one would ever normally do this. So there' was probably a bit of shock there. Uh, and as as the month have gone on and now as this book uh, excerpt has been released, I'm sure the Chinese now are just combined with what happened in Afghanistan and the other events with uh, the the woke education that's going on at the Department of Defense and And, and, you know, the the exodus of people who don't want to get vaccinated, all these things, combined with the crashes of our ships in 2017 and other indicators of uh, uh, unpreparedness and low readiness, I think the Chinese, uh, this just contributes to their calculus, their scientific development of how we decide when to pull the trigger to take Taiwan, and it's not—it's not a good sign.
0: Again, Jim Fennell, from your time in uniform and the work you do these days at the Geneva Center for Security Policy, uh, I know you are as conversant as anybody about what the implications of such a preemptive attack by the Chinese could be. This is. Treason, it does seem to me, and uh, has to be treated as such. We will be following this closely. Thank you for your time today, sir. Next up, we'll take stock of this and much more with Gordon Chang, straight ahead.